We are live. Um, welcome to this latest episode of Totally Unscripted. My name is Martin Hoxie, and um, as as with last week, I'm joined by my co-hosts Charles Maxson and Steve Webster. Hi. Hello. Hey, how are you doing? Not too bad. So we were delighted with the number of comments and reactions that we got last week. So um, as you guys probably know, we're we're doing this uh, season slightly differently. That um, we've got. Uh, quite a nice schedule, a weekly schedule of stuff. Um, and we've got, I think, a great session today. So um, today we're going to be talking about uh, uh, Google Workspace Marketplace and also uh, development of add-ons for you to get in there. And uh, we're delighted as well uh, with the guests that we've got on today. So I'm just going to bring on uh, Mike Remitella, and also we have uh, Stephen Basil both from hey, Google. So, hey, um, we only got the uh, product manager of Google Workspace with Mike and um, an awesome Google developer advocate with Steve. So um, we're really pleased that you're on the show. And Mike, do you want to just, for those not familiar with uh, the marketplace, do you want to just give us a, a quick overview of, of what it is and the impact that developers can have by having a person on there? Yeah, so thanks for having me. This is really exciting. My first time on the show. Um, happy to be here. Um, I would say in a nutshell for us, the marketplace is the place where all of your apps are featured. We really want to get to the point where the marketplace is where all of our users, you know, Gmail.com users, our Google Workspace users know that for any sort of integration, the marks, the marketplace is the location for that. So that's where you'll see us spend a lot of effort in 2021, bringing more types of functionality to the marketplace. I think a bit rude to ask Mike, but off the top of your head, have you got any sense of numbers in terms of, you know, how many eyeballs are, are hitting the marketplace right now? Yeah, so as part of the, the 10th anniversary blog post, which I think was happened before my time, but as part of um, the, what was it called next? No, uh, anyways, there was some uh, event in the summer prior to me joining, but we have publicly thousands of apps and we've had over a billion installations of apps by our Gmail and Google Workspace users, which is pretty significant. I mean, that's a billion installs. I am I was blown away when I first saw that number when I joined the team. <laughs> like, you know, that that's amazing. So kudos to all the developers who are publishing applications as well. Um, you know, I'm, I'm super excited and I hope, uh, you know, my job is to get to the next billion, so. I'm it, it reminds me kind of the McDonald's sign, right? Billions and billions served. Now we have that sign up for us, right? We've got billions served. Hey, first question yeah. I was going to ask you, Mike, is, you know, you mentioned there's, you know, all, all these add-on writers, all these solution writers out there. What is the profile of the type of developer, whether it's an individual or a business or whatever, what's the profile of the average um, organization that develops apps that are currently in the marketplace? Like, what do you see? I think we see two kinds of 
key developers. One is the developers um, building private applications. So, you know, intra-organization developers, you know, those are your citizen developers in-house building things that just make apps within your organization. There's a lot of applications that we see as well for that. And those are, you know, almost, I would say, people are forced to use sometimes by their, their admins, like a, you could think of a compliance use case. And then we see a lot of developers building publicly available apps for integrations to really help productivity. And that's what we're really excited about, you know, as you've seen with the new Gmail, hopefully you like it. Um, we really wanna help people be productive. And our most popular apps are apps that help save time. And that's where I think we'll see a lot more usage is people are looking to help save time, you know, whether it's um, working on a sheet, you know, quickly processing some data or um, helping you triage your inbox. Those kinds of productive applications are really what we see as being very popular in the marketplace. And very much aligned to AppScript as well. It's, it, you know, last week we were talking to some of the developer experts and they were, they were all, you know, all had their stories of how much time they've been saving using AppScript and obviously AppScript is, um, uh, well, it was the runtime, but we're, we're expanding out in terms of different runtimes. Um, but it is lovely to see the mix. So you, you have some of the, um, you know, well-recognized brands in, in the marketplace, and also you have individual developers um, doing their own stuff. And it, it's, it's a lovely kind of opportunity, I think, for a lot of people out there. When you look at some of the apps on the marketplace, Mike, are there, are there any kind of tips that you would give developers in terms of helping them stand out in the marketplace? Or is it a case of make, make the good product and the customer will come? A good question. Um, I think as part of our future roadmap, what we really want to help people do is to realize whether those applications are right for them. Um, you know, making sure that they can trust their developers, trust our ecosystem, trust the application. So you'll see trust being a really big focus. Um, I would say the, the key things that developers can do now is we see a lot of reviews and, uh, Hopefully we're not seeing much spam reviews. We're, we're really trying to address those. Um, but as people leave reviews, hopefully they're good reviews where, you know, we use reviews, downloads, installs as ways of sorting right now, but you'll see more and more that we really want to improve the layout so that users can find apps that work for them. You know, whether that's in your organization or whether that's users who, let's say, um, have a similar role even within intra-company, how do we find and suggest those kinds of applications for you? So um, I think hopefully uh, a redesign of our marketplace, which is something else that we're thinking of, and I'm happy to share early explorations. I think we might've shared that already with some of our developers. Uh, talk to Charles uh, to <laughs> do that again. Um, we're, we're really thinking about how do we surface the right tool at the right moment for those. So I would say, you know, to our developers, keep on doing what you're doing. Um, you know, 
help our help our users out, uh, help them save time, and then the reviews and installs come from that, and that's partially what we'll use to surface those applications to other users who are looking for productivity tools. You know, that reminds me of something. Uh, there's a lot of nice blogs out there that says, hey, help me with my productivity and they copy app script code. And a lot of times it's a custom menu experience, but then they run into another scaling problem and that's distribution. It's like, wait a minute, if I copy this, I have copies of source code. So comes so app, so add-ons come to the rescue, right? These add-ons. So internal organizations can leverage the marketplace to house domain-only access to these. So uh, it kind of reminds me of real estate. It's location, location, location. But in this area, it's distribution, distribution, <laughs> distribution. <laughs> Any comments on that? You know, private apps are a really big focus for us as well. And fully agreed, Steve, that. Um, it is about distribution. You know, how can we leverage the marketplace to suggest even internally how those applications are highlighted? You know, are they mandatory for our users uh, internally within an organization? Um, I think you'll see uh, internal apps also being a very key focus for us in, in 2021 because we know that, let's say, our Google Workspace admins may require users to use that. So you'll see some of the features within add-ons hopefully being leveraged for, you know, compose and send times. Um, so we're, we're really excited about some of the use cases that we're seeing developers start to work on in conjunction with private apps and some of those advanced add-on functionalities like send time add-ons, uh, which I think John had talked about. Uh, we think the combination of those two will really be compelling for organizations just in terms of um you're talking about discovery for um add-ons in the marketplace um one of the questions i've seen come up a couple of times is with the workspace new workspace add-ons which are using the card service is more priority going to be given to um add-ons are written with card service or um is that still being decided uh, good question. I don't think we've specifically tried to feature add-ons that are using the card service as opposed to, let's say, just a, a web app or editors. Um, I think the one thing that we do want to highlight is apps that work within the suite, so our Google Workspace add-ons. Ideally, users who can use these kinds of productivity tools across the suite, so Gmail, Calendar, editors, I think those would probably be featured as opposed to, let's say, you choosing to use card service versus something else. I, I don't believe we've talked about that. So, Mike, Mike, let me ask you a kind of a curveball question a little bit. A lot of folks uh, have been excited about chatbots. Chatbots obviously aren't part of the, the marketplace yet. Obviously, they have kind of their own little store. They're a little different, obviously, uh, as far as the way they work and the way they're discovered and the way they found. But are there plans to make them accessible so we can actually include them or or kind of allude to them some way, kind of bring it together? Um, because right now they kind of run in, in kind of parallel streams. Any thoughts there? Yeah, we are having discussions with the chatbots team, um, for example. So right now they are in their separate bot catalog. But for example, one of the things, you know, as Martin was asking, if we featured a developer can we leverage the fact that that developer is building an add-on and a chatbot together 
and highlight that more because we really want to make apps in context. So if you think about an add-on that's in Gmail or a chatbot in your chat, um, we really want to suggest both of those together because we think that can help your productivity. So I think chatbots plus add-ons together will hopefully be something that we would look at to highlight that app better. But yes, fully understood that right now the chatbot catalog is separate and we're trying to think of what to do around that without being too leading. Awesome, awesome answer. Hey, follow-on question coming in from one of our uh, viewers. Uh, an aspiring a, a student, MBA student, an aspiring add-on developer wants to know why are there so few add-ons for Google Slides? Last time they checked, there was only about 100. What's your reasoning or what's your thinking why slides aren't that popular? Uh, good question. Um, I would the add-ons team about this and the editor add-ons. Um, I actually have not heard of too many add-ons for Google Slides, obviously. Um, the really big add-ons use case for editors are Sheets. You know, we see a ton of add-ons for Sheets. Um, I, I don't know if there's been any sort of focus on Google Slides, to be honest. Well, I think we're going to segue to Steve in a few minutes, and Steve will explore how the editor add-ons work, the new ones. And I think he'll answer some of those questions and show you the possibilities. But hold that thought, Steve. I know you're chomping at the bit to do that. But <laughs> I, I just wanted to point out, I see a comment from John. John's on my team. We work together. So we do shout-outs. But conscious of time, Mike, um, and I know you've got to go away soon. Um, so, um, I just wondered if there was a particular add-on that um, you you've, you don't see in the marketplace and you're going, why hasn't someone developed this yet? And they could be making a real name for themselves. Is, is there a killer add-on that you've got in your own mind? Can you tell us? <laughs> Promise we won't go away and make a, make a million. <laughs> Somebody will. Uh, I, am, I don't want to call out a, a specific add-on or the lack of an add-on. I... I've heard from a few customers on some of the add-ons that they heavily rely on. And I just want to say, you know, thank you to those developers. Um, what I am really excited about though, is some of these add-ons that we've seen that really try to make good use of the onboarding to make it intuitive for users on how to install it. Um, and really, again, Productivity is the one thing that we hear from all of our users when they're looking for add-ons. How do they save time? How do they make their workflows more streamlined or more improved? So as opposed to calling out one specific uh, add-on developer, I really just want to you know, highlight to all the developers who are doing a great job. I tried, guys. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was very good at batting that one back. Um, but, um, well, I think that's a great note to end on. So thanks very much, Mike, for kind of your kind of tips and insight to the marketplace. Um, uh, I'm sure we will have uh, a, a lot more things heading coming from your direction um, over the next year, it sounds like. Um, so we're going to let you go away and we're going to uh, segue over to Steve. So be, Steve, hey, welcome to the show. So Mike's giving us kind of a, a, a tantalizing glimpse of, you know, kind of a place we can have in the marketplace and the impact that we can have as well. And um, and you, you've been already kind of posting some of the opportunities for developers in terms of developing workspace add-ons. 
and um, yeah, it's our kind of headlines just to give developers who haven't caught up to speed with workspace add-ons that you, you would give. Um, well, yeah, the, the latest development is the, uh, finally you had support for the editors. Um, and for those who've been around for a long time, you know, the, talking about card service versus HTML and everything, that's always been uh, a little bit of a, uh, an outlier with add-ons, right? The whole vision is to get these things to work across the suite, um, except for three of the biggest apps that were part of the suite. Um, that's no longer the case now. They do work uh, pretty much everywhere. There's a few places, you know, a few hosts that, um, you know, I think you still need to get out a little bit better support for, but, um, but now that they are broadly supported across Workspace uh, or Google Workspace, um, I think they become a lot more compelling. Um, and I'm you know, starting to explore different use cases of um, not just add-ons that have a, a homepage experience. Um, and for those who aren't familiar with add-ons, right? You know, add-ons have this concept of, you know, just the default homepage, just like what you see by default, doesn't matter what you're doing. Um, and then they also have contextual experiences uh, that an add-on can do. So it's, you know, if you open up an, a specific email or a calendar event or a document and so on. Um, so, you know, the homepage experiences are really awesome for things like, uh, I think like task management, right? If you're, um, Asana has a great, great add-on, um, which if you just want to know, like, what do I have to do today, right? And it's just always there. It doesn't matter if you're in Gmail or calendar or whatever. Um, but I think, you know, add-ons become really interesting when you do the contextual stuff, right? Which is, oh, I'm reading this email and it's from this customer, you know, then go get that information from Salesforce, show me the, the opportunity details. Like those things become really cool. Um, and the last couple that I did for demos were, um, you know, trying to explore, like, what are some of the contextual things that you can do that really work across workspace? Um, the, uh, yeah, the two that I did, actually, I can, I can show these if, you, if, if, you know, if, if there's any interest in it. Um, but yeah, the two I did were around um, content uh, generation. Um, and you can think of a lot of cases, actually, since somebody was asking about slides add-ons, this is actually a really good use case for slides, right? I mean, how many times are you doing a presentation and you want to bring in, um, you know, a photo from somewhere, right? If you had a ac quick access to a stock photo library, or what if that information, what if those images were dynamic, right? What if they were from, um, your CRM or your financial database, right? And you wanted to generate a chart that was based off of your last quarter's performance, right? To have an add-on that you just click and say, okay, run this query, insert a chart. That's actually really cool, right? And there's a ton of different use cases for this. Um, for text, right, if you're in sales and you're doing an RFP for a customer, right? You have your library of little canned snippets that you want to insert and just being able to pick those and um, have them automatically go in, um, you know, there's really endless, endless use cases. Um, and so I wanted to put a couple add-ons out there that kind of give you the skeleton for it. Mm. Um, and then, but let people really go and take those and adapt them to uh, use cases that are important for them. Yeah, we'll, we'll share the, the links to those. I thought it was really interesting. So um, your, I think your Medium post was the one where you were talking about content generation and yeah. different contexts and just, having to deal with, you know, just some of the different services. So like how to deal with calling doc app and then spread or, you know, just switching cases for that. I thought yeah. it was a really, really nice example of just what you're going to have to do as part of that. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a little bit of a, a point of friction, um, and that's actually one of <laughs> part of my role is um, you know not just outbound advocacy and demos, but I do really to, uh, try to give feedback to the product teams um, as I build. You know, if I'm building a sample, right? I'm I'm trying to build it as somebody who's not at Google um, mm. and relying on public documentation and APIs and so on. Um, and it, you know, so trying these different use cases, yeah, you do find points where you're like, like, okay, I can do this, but I yeah. really like it to be, you know, a little, right? Like, could we have a uniform inter interface that says, okay, there's a document-like thing, right, that I'm working on, and I want to insert something. Um, yeah. right? An email is like a document. A doc is like a document. You know, it's like, um, so I think you know, having more uniformity. Uh, at least for mm -hmm. really common things that people are going to do, be helpful. Um, but you know, the good news is, even without that, it's still possible to to do a lot of these use cases. Yeah. So there's there's a question I've asked you personally a bunch of times, and I always get a good answer um, because I, as, as an add-on developer, kind of struggled a little with this. I when I got introduced to add-ons, it was the HTML service. I built some very lovely UIs, but I was rolling my own HTML and CSS, but I, I was the master of my own domain. Then the Car Builder service came along and it added some structure and a little bit of, I don't want to say complexity, but a little rigidity. And you've explained to me wonderfully a bunch of times why you actually think <laughs> it's a progressive step forward. Yeah, um, I think it is. Um, yeah, I mean, when, when Gmail add-ons first launched and it was card service, uh, you know, to, to be honest, I was in the camp of why can't I just have HTML and CSS? <laughs> uh, because, you know, especially with web components now and, you know, the frameworks that are available, right, you, you could get a lot of the benefits of consistent look and feel just by having a good component library and CSS that's standardized. Um, the, you know, but even, even with that, um, yeah, I think cards do have a certain advantage, right? There's there's a lot that it does for you uh, in terms of uh, not just the, the consistency and the, like how the the widgets appear, um, but also things like accessibility, uh, mobile support, uh, right? That that framework you're you're dealing at a slightly higher level than you would with raw HTML and CSS. Um, and it is a little bit more constraining, but you also get a lot in return, right? You get that consistency, you get the mobile support. Um, there's just a lot of things that you don't have to worry about that you would if you had, um, if you're dealing with the, you know, the content at a more direct level. But uh, yeah, it, it, is, it is a little, it is a little tedious sometimes to build a hard surface, uh, <laughs> so, you know, for web pages. Yeah, so, I was just yeah. gonna add to that. Uh, I actually converted one of my add-ons I think I went from 2,500 lines of HTML, CSS, actually probably more when I consider the CSS stuff, uh, down to like 300 something. Yeah. Um, so mm -hmm. it's, it just helps to get to the finished product that much quicker. Exactly. So yeah. I 100% agree with that. I, I myself just did one this week and, and Steve and I talked about this earlier um, where I converted over an existing HTML service at first, I was not pleased with the, the UI. I thought mine was fancier, but I realized my code was cleaner, it was more precise. It was a, it was a modern UI. I was, I'm using you know legacy stuff from years ago, so it, it, the output was better. My experience was better. I used a tool that Steve kind of prototyped and helped um, learn how to do the card service building better. Um, we have a prototype that we haven't necessarily shared broadly publicly, 
Um, but Steve, um, you know, you were kind of the, the, the inspiration for the Car Builder uh, tool. Um, what can you tell folks about the best way to approach it and when can we expect that tool to be public? I know it's a loaded question because it's not yet and it's not in control, but I love it. I'll, I'll put in the chat the URL for a private public copy you can play with. But what can you tell us about you know building the UIs? Yeah, it's um, no, I actually really like that tool um, and I, I hope we, we actually can move it forward in some way. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was one of those things where you know as as much as I understand the benefits of the card service and I do like the final results that you get right and even with, for your add-on you know you asked in the meeting for people's feedback which one they like better everybody liked the card service version better um, yeah. except for you. <laughs> um, you know so I like you know it was a better UI um, and you know it is it is less code uh, and all that uh, the you know my, where I was frustrated as a developer right just putting on you know just somebody who's used to building web apps and mobile apps and so on was the um, the lack of tooling around it right it was it's a new it was a new way of expressing a UI but there wasn't anything in turn that you would expect from other frameworks right most most frameworks uh, most UI libraries if it's material design or, or whatever have tools for um, for assembling UIs, right? You have previews, you have, um, you know, some, you, maybe it's a sticker sheet in Figma, which thanks to one of our UX designers, uh, Akshay, he actually has, um, has the stuff available now. So you can actually mock up a card-based UI in a tool like Figma. Um, but I wanted to go a little bit further. I wanted something that would just write the code for me, right? Because you could do this, right? You can build a web page, drag and drop these days, right? Go to Wix, go to Squarespace. Any any of these companies have these really amazing tools that can build ridiculously complex HTML that you never see. Um, and we don't have anything like that for for card service, uh, at least not yet, just because it's new and it takes time to build up, you know, that level of tooling and everything. So uh, to to make a long story. Uh, even longer, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, so you know, it was, uh, it was the last summer, two summers ago, or whatever. You know, it was prototyping, just a drag and drop uh, UX designer. Uh, my the first version was hideously ugly, um, but it was fun <laughs> uh, in terms of just being able to drop widgets on and spit out some uh, app scripts. And uh, thankfully, one of our designers. Um, uh, UX engineer uh, Akshay, he put a ton of work in to make it um, actually usable um, and pretty. And then we did a little back and forth collaboration. Um, and so, yeah, it's actually pretty usable now. Um, and there's two versions. I don't know which version you shared. Um, okay, so that's the, yeah, that's the app. I think the, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's Akshay's version, which, um, so it actually supports app script and alternate runtimes, uh, which are not available yet, but it does the, the JSON version as well. Uh, there's another uh, iteration on that that has a bi-directional editing for the JSON uh, markup, yeah. um, which actually is, is really- wonder, could Steve, and feel free to say no at this point. Do you want to do a quick demo just so people can see? Oh, that tool? See uh, in that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So while he's while he's pulling up, if you look in the comments, I actually put out uh, a comment for the GSA or Card Builder web slash app. It is not technically supported and not endorsed by our employer. Um, that said, it is public, although it's private, and I found it 
in the light years in terms of speed of building your UI out, it's so much faster. I built a UI, just prototyped it, copied the paste over. I, I, I had created Gmail add-ons when it first came out and I would get caught around the axle trying to build the car builder service and make it work. You get some weird syntax area you get hooked up on, you were doing something right that was wrong, you thought it was right. This tool makes that all kind of go away um, and it's super easy and super fast. And the, it doesn't mean it will spit out the perfect code. For example, the add-on I wrote the other day, I had to create some iterative loops to actually change some of the logic I was using. But for the most part, the, the, the structure in the shell was phenomenally fast. Yeah. So, uh, I actually used it too, and uh, I, I'm a big fan. <laughs> yeah, so, and, you know, I think if the tool pops up and at some point asks you, you know, is this tool useful? Uh, if, if you think so, click yes. <laughs> the more votes we get, the more we can get the, the product close to, to, yeah. to, to it, it would be It would be nice, Stephen, if we could have a save on my progress of the UI <laughs> build. Or an import. And, and Steve mentioned the internal build actually does that with the JSON payload. Um, obviously, again, it's just, you know, it's not it's not there in that current uh, of you. Uh, but the more add-on writers we get interested in, the more add-on writers, period, and the more folks, uh, the, the, the more support. As we premiere. <laughs> it's kind of a premiere, yeah. <laughs> I've been out there before. I don't, uh, I don't know if you can all see this or not. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so the, just the idea is, you know, you can do, uh, you know, just nice adding different things. And not only do you see the live preview, but you can also see, this one actually shows both the JSON and the app script. You can see what the JSON markup looks like, as well as what the app script code would look like. Um, and then if I want to say, edit this label, uh, I can do, uh, something silly. This is a label, and it actually just live updates there. It live updates in the mark, the JSON markup, as well as in the code itself. And it, Steve, just to be clear, I know you kind of brushed over it a little bit, but you uh, introduced alternate runtimes to the world earlier this summer. We did. Well, yes. Explain the difference between why I would care about having the JSON and the app script, and, and where are we with like editors uh, getting alternative runtimes, alternate runtimes? If you're, if you can talk on that. So yeah, we did we did announce alternate runtimes quite a while ago. It's been in beta for a few months. Uh, there's people, a few companies building on it. Uh, it should be launching pretty soon. Um, I would say by by the end of the year, hopefully. Um, the The reason we did that is just to make add-ons a little bit more accessible to different audiences. Um, if you're Building an add-on for yourself or you know a small team, and you're comfortable in that script. Um, you know, it's not if not a developer full time. You know, app script makes total sense, right? It's easy. There's zero setup. Uh, you get this instant gratification that you don't get in other environments. The downside, though, is it's missing a lot of the infrastructure and tooling that. Uh, particular ISVs, you know, have have built and they have their, you know, they have their own production environments. They have their own tool chains uh, for, you know, CI and CD and so on. And so for them, AppScript is a little bit of an outlier. Um, you know, it's it's a new technology to learn. It's a new uh, new platform to deploy to. They have to integrate that into their monitoring. Uh, so it's a lot of work uh, that more casual developers uh, don't usually have to deal with. So alternate runtimes gives them the ability to 
uh, build an add-on using any environment that you can answer an HTTP request. Um, so if you want to use something like Cloud Functions or Amazon's Lambda or you know Cloud Run, host it on your own cloud, all of those things become an option. It doesn't matter what the language is, right? Because you're just dealing with it at a protocol level. Um, so yeah, if you want to do Java or Python or you know, use Node.js, all those things become possible. The, um, the big change in terms of how this Im impacts the cards is because we're dealing with it at the protocol level, we ha you know, using an app script bean doesn't make sense for writing cards because I mean, you have to build those libraries in each language. Um, so right now, the way you express those UIs is via JSON. Uh, but it does mirror the structure that you would see if you're using uh, card service in app script. It's just expressed in a different way. Where do you uh, paste the JSON? Is it in the manifest? <clears throat> uh, no, this this would be the response uh, to an HTTP request. Uh, so you would get okay. <laughs> um, an event. So it's all event-driven. Um, so when somebody opens an add-on, you get an event with a, whatever the current context is. It tells you things like who is the user. Uh, if they're, you know, depending on the scopes, you get you know, different amounts of information. Uh, and then what your card, what your add-on will return is a JSON payload that has the rendering instructions. Um, and and it's not in. You don't see this in the card builder. Um, because this is really more focused on the cards itself, but there's, in addition to the card markup, there's also, um, <coughs> excuse me, there's also um, uh, instructions for kind of how uh, to manipulate the navigation, right? So you can push cards onto the stack, you can pop them, you can show a notification. So there's these other directives that you can do in addition to just rendering the card um, that are also part of that, that response. <coughs> That's a, that's a great question you brought up. You mentioned some of the big differences between prior add-on models and the current add-on model. You mentioned the home pages, the great addition, uh, which is true. Uh, the other thing I, I don't people understand as much or have really explored or I haven't seen really great uh, examples, and I personally struggle with it a little bit, is, is kind of the flow through an add-on. Like I've got, you know, different cards on the stack and I can nest deep and I can create a, a much richer user experience than one single pane stuck in one single app. What are your kind of best practices or tips as far as architecturally thinking the layout of how do I build my flow through an add-on? What are some of the things to think about there? That's a really good question. It it varies a lot by the use case. Um, you know, I'll give a couple of examples where I think, you know, fact, factors that influence it. So for example, um, one, you know, one of the add-ons I actually use a lot is one for our internal bug tracking system. And that one, um, you know, takes advantage of not so much uh, depth of navigation, right? It doesn't go very, like, you can't really go very deep in the navigation, but it has a very wide model. Uh, and the reason is because if you get an email or something like that, that or a document that has five or six uh, URLs to bugs, right? You want to be able to pick up all of those. And so each one of those becomes its own card. Uh, and then the framework basically builds a uh, kind of a meta higher level card that summarizes each one. And then you can drill in um, as appropriate. So that's a case where, you know, an add-on would take a, a wide but shallow approach. Um, and then one that does both is we have another one, which uh, actually we have a demo of this in GitHub is one that does, um, 
uh, person details, right, for teams. Right? It uses your corporate directory to find uh, people mentioned in the email or on the ACLs for a file or document, anything like that. Uh, it can even be a calendar event and then shows you uh, information from your directory. Um, that's one where you have the same um, same issue of width, right? You, you have you might have 10 people in an email uh, recipient list and you want to be, be able to have a card for each one. But that also has some depth to it as well, where only the the critical details are surfaced in the initial card, but you can then drill in and start to navigate relationships. Um, so for example, you might see the manager, you click in the manager, that would push a card onto the stack that then shows that person's detail. And then you can you know, actually start navigating up the reporting chain. Um, but that's all done in a stack where you can then unwind it and you know, kind of go forward and backward at will. Um, you know, so it you know really depends on the use case, um, and then there's other add-ons. You just have very linear flows. Um, it, it's pretty flexible. Um, it's surprisingly flexible, actually. Um, and I'm kind of learning this. I'm actually building another add-on um, for for another talk, and that's one where um, even though it has a flow, I'm actually just doing it all in a single card and just updating the state of that card each time. Um, and it's just it's just because of that particular use case. Um, it makes the most sense to do it that way, like paging. Like I don't want a paging through a list to push a card onto the stack. Um, so when I page, I have you know next and back buttons. Um, they just they just do an in place update. So you, you have all those different part, all those different mechanisms for pushing, popping, updating, um, and you can mix and match those just to you know create whatever the right UX is for for the use case. Now, there's also a design kit I saw uh, through some blog leveraging Figma. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, exactly. That was something uh, Akshay had done. It's it's really great. Um, yeah, it's, it's 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 I think something that's needed because you know a lot of um, especially if you see some of the add-ons being built. Adobe just you know, did theirs uh, I think last week. Um, they actually did a it's a really well done add-on and a fairly complex one in terms of the, the flows. But that's something where, you know, if you're building an add-on that is intended for a large audience, right, you, you really do want to focus on UX um, and, you know, engineer this properly. It's, it's part of your product, right? And so, you know, you know, those mature engineering teams, they do have UX designers. They do have people who uh, are going to want to like, mock this up first um, and you look at, like, okay, do, do these flows make sense? Do some testing with users before you're actually getting to writing code and deploying and so on. And so that's that's where these tools I think become really useful. Having the design kit out of Figma, having things like Card Builder, because it gives you that ability to do that rapid prototyping and mocking um, without having to learn app script, without having to deploy a server or anything like that. When people hit kind of dead ends building cards. Do you have any tips for people? Is it a case of, are there, you know, are you seeing good answers coming up on Stack Overflow already? Should people be hoping issue tickets if the, you know, the functionality is just not there and they, they need something? Well, well, is the card service being expanded on? Or is oh, yeah, definitely it is. Um, yeah, actually, the, the I was going to show what add-on earlier today, but then I realized I'm using a widget that doesn't exist yet. Um, <laughs> or it does, it's not yet. Um, 
Uh, that's actually, it's a really good one too. Uh, I'm excited about it. But uh, no, there's actually a lot of investment into improving the framework. Um, this is, um, you know, one, one of the bits of, you know, talking earlier about giving feedback to the team and, and so on. This was uh, one of the things that, that we actually raised was, you know, if we are going to go this route of having card service and, you know, this proprietary markup, then we have to invest in it, right? It's like you have to, you know, be really be responsive to what uh, different developers are trying to build in their use cases and build up a richer library. And and there is really good progress on it. There's been a few you know, smaller widgets, um, some little things released over the past year, uh, but there's a lot more in the pipeline that give a, uh, will give add-on developers more visual control over how their add-ons appear, um, as well as some new widgets for particular use cases. Um, and yeah, there's there's some that you know I I I'm still pushing for uh, that don't exist. I, I would love to see, um, you know, integrated file picker, um, which doesn't exist right now. If you think about something like uh, a mail merge use case, which is still probably the most popular add-on, <laughs> one of the like <laughs> add-ons is you know like what is it yet another mail merge? It's like crazy popular, um, but you know it. But if you think about that use case, right? If you're in, you know, you, you need to join two files together, right? And so, you know, yeah. copying and pasting a file ID, you know, to say like, oh, like pull my users from the spreadsheet, that's not a great UX, right? So having, being able to have things like the file picker integrated where you can say, okay, pick a file from drive, yeah. um, you know, and deal and deal with these things, uh, you know, at a higher level, um, you know, I think, I think those things actually end up being important. So, you know, over time it will get, to be a richer library, um, but you know it is still relatively new. So you know I'm, I'm fairly forgiving about. Um, I was going. I was going to ask. Um, so right now, when we talk about editors, we think about sheets, docs, slides. Mm. Is forms coming? Hmm. Um, good question. I don't know. Okay. Um, and there's another question that I think you can answer. Are you encouraging our audience to convert from editor? old editor add-ons to the new one? That's also another excellent question. Uh, I can answer that one. Um, I would say at this time, you are free to continue to <laughs> legacy add-ons. Uh, you know, they are not deprecated. Um, they're not going away anytime soon that I am aware of. So they are still viable. Uh, and there definitely are use cases where um, that is the right choice, right? Um, but I think for most cases, um, especially now that the editors work with uh, workspace add-ons, you know, I, I would look there first. Like, so like, you know, using cards, using the new add-on framework is, is my first choice for extension. Um, if that doesn't work for the particular use case, then I would look at legacy add-ons. If that doesn't work, um, then, you know, potentially you're looking at things like Chrome extensions, right? Which, you know, is a, you know, slightly dangerous and, you know, not, not dangerous in like security. Well, there are security issues with it, but um, dangerous is just that, you know, you're, you're kind of using unsupported APIs. They're just messy, aren't they, Steve? They're just messy. Yeah. <laughs> they, some of them are really amazing. I've seen, I've seen like crazy amazing <laughs> um, in Gmail, there's Inbox SDK, which is super cool. Um, I don't know if anyone's played with it, but it is a really, really nice abstraction over just the Gmail DOM, and you know, it's it's crazy what they built. 
um, but it works amazingly well and you can build some really cool things in Juno. <laughs> not aware of anything like that for any of the other apps, uh, but it's not to say it's, it's not possible. Um, if you look at companies like uh, Grammarly, right? They have a really cool Chrome extension for docs, you know, that, you know, lets you overlay their yeah. grammar extensions and everything. Um, and that's that's one where they couldn't have built that with an add-on, right? It's like just the APIs aren't there to give them the, the UX that they wanted. So uh, for them and that use case, a Chrome extension was the right thing to do, right? There's mm -hmm. yeah a lot of you know a lot of work that goes into building one, um, and you have to be you know cognizant of the fact that you're yeah dealing with things that are not well documented, not guaranteed to be, guaranteed to be stable. But if you have you know, if the value is there, then yeah, it's it's something. Yeah. I, I simplify that answer down to one one thing, uh, Steve Webster. I always say, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Um, but just you know, leave it as long as again, we don't have any plans to de deprecate it, at least in the current time frame. Um, but the other thing is, I would look at the value you get on top of it. For example, a lot of these content insertion type things, if it works in sheets, it could easily work in slides and docs. Can you expand the value of your of your um, add-on simply by putting it in the new format and letting it run across all the different apps. So it, it would be a case-by-case -case answer, but if it's not uh, broken, don't fix it, is my quick summary. Oh yeah, definitely. Can I, can I just put you back um, to, you, you mentioned, I think that a picker widget is potentially in order, because this relates to a question we got from Clark Lind, who is interested in dynamic cards. So in his use case was exactly this, that he, he's trying to drill, drill down into um, a file. Get any hints on when a picker of card might be coming out? Uh, I, I, I'm not aware of it being or a widget or anything. anything. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you can, uh, you know, I think I saw this question, this is about like doing dependent dropdowns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's certainly doable with add-ons. Uh, this is, kind of goes back to talking earlier about the different navigation styles. Uh, the way I would approach doing uh, dependent dropdowns is uh, every widget supports an on-change event. And what I would do in that case is just for each one, have an on-change that uh, when that value is, is updated in the UI, it will send an event to the add-on, and then you would just do an in-place update, which effectively what you're doing is re-rendering the card with the new state. Um, and if you think about um, kind of how like modern web apps are built these days, right? Um, this kind of the style that React and, and even frameworks like Flutter uh, have popularized of having you know, stateless components that you know, basically um, you know, just that their only responsibility is rendering whatever the state is. If you take that approach with building cards um, and building add-ons, it actually works really well, right? And so you just, all you have to do is you, you handle the event, you figure out what the next state is, you call your render function and return that card. Um, <laughs> and it actually works really well. Um, kind of where the picker comes into play, like is when you start getting into scopes, because if I, if I were to try to build a like navigate through drive UI using drop downs or, or anything like that, um, that requires a full drive scope to do, right? And that's not a permission that um, a lot of customers are, are comfortable with 
because it is very broad. Um, and if it's the only reason I need that permission is just so I can let you pick a file, like that, you know, like they would understand, but it's just not an ideal situation. Mm -hmm. Hey, so Steve, you were up for interesting uh, the topic there. We have another question that Alan submitted earlier. And the question was, uh, where do you store user settings for drive workspace add-ons? As everybody knows, uh, if you have the editor apps, you can use the documents properties to store state, store user settings. So when they come back in next time they're engaged, they have the same stuff you've set up prior. What's your recommendation to specifically for a drive-based add-on to kind of store those user properties? Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting question because uh, you know, we were, we were talking about, you know, migrating add-ons from the editor add-on, you know, the older editor add-ons into the newer style ones. So one of the advantages you get from migrating is you do get to support drive, right? So instead of being, you know, that add-on only appearing when you're editing, that same add-on, that same functionality could be available from the drive file list. And that opens up a whole bunch of new use cases um, for, for a lot of different add-ons. But, um, but yeah, you're right. They're like you, you, you do lose certain functionality in that transition because when you're in Drive, the document the document properties that you would have in script, that context no longer exists and that functionality is lost. Um, so there are alternatives. Um, so one is Drive does have uh, custom properties that you can associate with a file, and they can be either you know app specific or or made visible to all applications if if you need to. Um, the other option is just to do your own storage, right? There's Firestore, there's Cloud SQL, sure. there's a ton of different, you know, databases. It doesn't take a lot to, you know, if, you know, create a simple table that's, or, you know, just Firestore is just you keyed off the document ID and then put whatever data is in there. Um, and then you have full control over um, how that, that data is used, right? Is it per user? Is it, you know, per document? Um, yeah, so there's a ton of flexibility. Personally, that's what I would do is I, I would look at something like Firestore. Mm. Got it. That makes sense. Well, we, we, we've talked a couple of times there about, you know, migrating interesting add-ons. And Steve Webster, I know this is something that you've looked at, and I think you've you've got some things that you, you've discovered along the way as well. So if you want, I can yes. um, just put your... I think you've got some slides to talk to for this as well. Um, so, um, yeah, so I'm, we'll share a link yeah. to all these slides um, as part of the show so you can get a copy of these. But um, over, you, over to you, Steve. Yeah, thank you. I've also uh, copy and pasted the link to this presentation in the YouTube uh, description. Uh, so, I'm just, uh, with the time remaining, I'm just going to kind of fast forward through some of these. Kind of so in this case the purpose is um, if it's not broken don't don't fix it sort of thing or don't change it. However, if you're struggling with a horrible UI or you're getting errors on the UI by converting over, that's another good reason as well. Besides having it available in other apps like Docs and Slides, so we'll skip through this. Uh, one of the highlights I wanted to mention in this slide, um, there is a vertical icon app uh, list here. Uh, if you have a editor add-on and you use the sidebar, it's always to the left of that, but on the Google Workspace add-ons, it's to the right of that. And there are some nice FAQs I just noticed a few days ago. 
uh, on the uh, AppScript documentation, specifically the add-ons. So I listed a few here. I'm not going to spend any time here. It has the link to the online documentation. Let's get through these. This authorization is a good one as well. So um, it's possible to keep your existing editor add-on and just uh, edit the, you know, the HTML, CSS out of it and, and so forth. But in this presentation, I decided to create a brand new instance, a blank app script editor. Imagine that. And then I copy the code over and then I clean up that. And then I, then I'll plan to publish that version. So with this strategy, I'm uh, basically saying, you know, create the new one. And I really, really say you should review the overview and best practices. And then, of course, you want to copy the code over. And then, as we were saying before, you just want to identify all the HTML, CSS code, okay? And then you basically want to replace that. Now, what I found helpful is uh, thinking of the side-by-side, -side, uh, what I have with the old and where I'm going with the new to show my progress. Um, you can use this test by installing it as a unpublished add-on. So that's a quick way through the app scripts deployment dialog in the editor to get that done. And as a comment here, you know, even though the card service is like we call it client side, it really feels like it's all server side because you don't see the HTML. Um, there is some card related items in the manifest. And I guess a highlight here would be with the editor add-ons, we typically have an on install that calls an on open. But in this app script JSON file, aka the manifest, you have a um, function there that, that takes the place of the uninstall and unopen. And then here's a quick slide of typically how you would publish an add-on. And so I actually have spent um, some time on this. I actually created a 13 so minute uh, video that is available here, which I'm not going to play with a short of time here. Uh, but what's nice about it is I actually show you the code from the old, show you code with the new, a lot of card interface stuff. I talk about best practices, like if there's an exception uh, or an on-trap error sort of thing, how you should handle that. You should create a new card and, and give instructions of how to resolve it if possible and then go back. So I have that in there plus the whole demo. So I encourage you to, um, after this presentation, uh, look at this video. That's awesome. You, you shared your experience there because, you know, I kind of went through a lot of the same steps and learned them for yeah. myself. But thanks for yeah. making it available to everybody. I want to highlight one of the things you said, and we kind of you went quickly through it, but I think it's super important. Another reason you may want to convert. I love the fact that I come out of the add-ins menu now in the editors and I get a little button on the side, which my add-on is way more discoverable. And I don't think we give enough credit to that. Because if you notice at the top, there's a couple of the first party built in Google ones. And the fact that you can be right in that list and always on the screen and always discoverable makes your add-on pop. So if you want to, you know, for me, for example, in Sheets, I've got like you know 12 add-ons up there in the menu and they kind of get lost. If you want to write an add-on that pops, put it out there and get it in the panel. And it actually gets you a lot more eyeballs. And, and, and frankly, it's way easier to access. Mm -hmm. Um, so a, a question for me is well, so you, um, you, you meant so in that example, Steve, you set up a, a new project um, so you could 
that's your add-on. But you mentioned, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you could just pull out all the HTML stuff from your existing add-on code um, and swap swap it out for card service. Is there anything that would need to be done in the publishing to the marketplace? Yeah, I had a dialogue uh, with one of the other GDEs, Romain, but I'm sure Stephen and Charles could, could help to answer this. Uh, it comes down to the GCP project. If that stays the same, then it's smoother. Uh, but if you are going to change that, then you have to go through the whole reauthorizations. Another reason why you may have to have the user go through a, another authorization is if you change the scope during your upgrade as well. Uh, yeah. But maybe Stephen could uh, follow up with this. Yeah, I, I was going to say, um, yeah, unfortunately, I, I don't have any like published add-ons myself that I've had to go through this. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right. It's the, the project is really the, the key for everything because the marketplace listing is tied to the project. The authorizations are tied to the project. Um, so if that is stable, things are a lot smoother. I, I know there are some restrictions in the marketplace in terms of what types of apps or extension points work with each other. Um, some can be bundled together, some can't. I am honestly not up to date with what all those combinations are. Um, but I would say, you know, aspirationally, like, yes, it, I think it is important that, you know, we make it as easy as possible for people to migrate. Um, it's just, you know, yes. Some cases it's gonna be smooth, some cases not so smooth. But yeah, keeping the project, that's, probably your biggest win right there. Well, I think that's a, a great point to, to end our, our, our little segment with um, Steve Basil. So thanks so much for, for coming on and um, showing us things like the card builder, premier people, premier. <laughs> um, so, well, I think it's great about this. You know, we've got a whole new toy for us bloggers and community contributors out there to start writing and sharing bits and pieces, and uh, you know, getting getting more of us uh, into workspace add-ons. So um, I'm I'm certainly jumping at the bit. So uh, uh, like you, I haven't published an add-on publicly, but um, I've definitely got one I want to do. Full <laughs> <laughs> mail merge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's definitely a bunch of that, like as I'm building more demos, I'm just like, you know, I should just throw these in the marketplace because <laughs> some of them are actually useful. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a whole, uh, whole other world running, uh, you know, the, something people use more than a demo. <laughs> the last I looked internally on our internal domain, I think we were nearing like a thousand add-ons that, that Googlers have built and published. I have a few up there myself. <laughs> I have four users that I'm quite proud of. Uh, internally, but again, it's a great way of, of sharing code. And you know, frankly, for me, I actually write them just so I can use them in all use cases and all the editors, so I don't have to keep up, you know, copying code into a new <laughs> document every time I want to use that same functionality. Uh, oh yeah, so I, I, I publish internal ones. I just like yeah, yeah. for internal use. Yeah, I just you know, it's, it's a different volume. Um, oh yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, before we go, let's just do a quick recap of what we coming got coming up. So. Um, our fun continues next next week, same time, same place. We're talking about getting hooked on AppSheet. So uh, we've got Christian Short coming along for that. And we've also confirmed Praveen, um, who uh, 
was CEO of AppSheet, but having AppSheet being bought out by Google, what's his new title? He's Trump? a distinguished engineer and he, and he still oversees the business. So he's co-founder and, and, and of AppSheet. So obviously it's going to be a great episode because he knows it better than anybody. And, uh, and Chris is on Steve and my team and, and Chris has been working a lot with it. And so kind of give you the perspective from a developer about a no code solution, why it's super interesting. So a reminder as well, if you want to get your questions in early for that, we'll share um, a link to the uh, Google community. You go on the, the Pulse site as well, but if you want uh, to get your questions in early, please hit us at tu at Atscript info or Atscript info on Twitter. So, um, and we've got a summary of Dever shows. Uh, we were going to have a break uh, for Thanksgiving, um, but actually, um, an old friend of the show. Hold on, let me go to this one. So we have Bruce McPherson. We're doing a TU special with Bruce McPherson, who's going to be talking about the Google Video Intelligence API. So the timing of that one's slightly different. It's on Tuesday, uh, four o'clock UTC. Uh, so again, we'll publish that out through the channels. And um, one other final bit of news, if I can just go back a slide, is. Uh, we, we want to tap into uh, the podcast market for all you podcasts out there. Um, so basically, we're putting audio versions of uh, the season up onto uh, podcasts. So we're doing zero editing. So <laughs> for screen bits, you're going to struggle a bit whilst you're running or driving, whatever you do. Uh, we're on iTunes, we're on SoundCloud, and we'll be on Google Podcasts soon. Yeah, we'll prove that it isn't listed yet. So it's not a way to continue the, the programs. Um, I think that's us. I think. Um, I'd just like to uh, thank uh, Steve for coming onto the show. Also, Steve Webster as well for uh, co hosting and sharing his uh, add on um, experience. And also, Charles, um, thank you as well. He's, he's done a hell of a lot of work behind the scenes to make sure. Um, we've got some excellent guests coming up on our show and um, who evidence by today's show, excellent guests there as well. So thanks, Charles, for that as well. And that's us. I think we're going to call it a day there, folks. Um, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you next time.